0: Alright, thank you for tuning in. This week, it's the Casual Tuesdays Book Club. This week I'm talking about Mark Twain's essay, How to Tell a Story, which is available on AmericanLiterature.com. Now, I think over the course of this podcast, I've learned a lot about podcasting. podcasting, And this week's lesson is that I should read the stuff a week in advance so that when I announce what I'm going to talk about the week before on the show before, I'm not setting myself up for a podcast like this one is going to be, which is probably going to be, uh, it's going to be rough, I think. Anyway, (coughs) I thought this would be a good story, because I wanted to do something by Mark Twain, I thought, how to tell a story, that's a good title, that's good, because I like learning about how to tell stories, but, I mean, if you're listening, you maybe read it, I don't, maybe you didn't. It's, uh... Look, I don't have too much to talk about. It's not because it's bad; it's just there's not much uh, I can say about it. Um, but instead of preparing more analysis, I just drank a couple Tall Boys, so we'll see if that helps. Uh, and Cotter said I didn't sound very drunk during the Drone King, ep- like Kurt Vonnegut episode, and I was real drunk. I did that New Year's Eve; I was really pretty drunk that. So I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. Let's uh, let's get this over with. Okay, now this is an essay, and like any competent writer, Mark Twain can build his point in progressive series of steps that, you know, gradually add complexity, nuance, and differentiation. In fact, Twain does such a good job clearly delineating his logic. There's not a lot left for me to talk about, but I'll go over a couple things that I liked, and I guess I'll try to take the lessons about Telling a humorous story and translate them into writing something that's not humorous. That's the best idea I came up with. Okay, first off, it's pretty cool that Twain's message is essentially that it's just all about style, not content. And I think that is largely true in non-humor writing as well. Just last week for the podcast, read the incredible virginia wolf story the mark on the wall which was about yeah as it's as the name implies it's kind of all about a mark on the wall well that's the focal point anyway or the kind of the anchor whatever it doesn't matter whatever. it's an amazing story because uh, she's a goddamn legend and she's super cool and but you know content wise like plot wise not much happens Bukowski is another person who can write about pretty much nothing at all and make it amazing though how great would it be if you had style and an interesting plot? A la All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. Because so that shit is amazing. Anyway, okay, one of the defining features of humor, according to Mark Twain, is sincerely delivered absurdism. As in, like, absurdism that you don't quite recognize. Personally, I find absurdism in writing amusing, even in really grave situations. And that knee-jerk reaction to laugh usually makes me feel bad, and then I end up thinking even more about the story or the event that I was trying to laugh at. So it's kind of this, like, circle mindfuck thing. Uh, An example of this would be pretty much anything by Kurt Vonnegut, but I guess Slaughterhouse-Five would be his most famous, and, you know, uh, is a great great example, because it's filled with war anecdotes that are horrible and sad, but told in a way that they're kind of funny. And because he doesn't hide any absurdity, like, Vonnegut doesn't hide the absurdity of it, but uh, he does. he's a very present narrator, though, um, so he does kind of recognize the absurdity, so it's not entirely the best example. But in the idea of, like, using humor, absurd humor in really grave situations, it's definitely there. Um, and Vonnegut, who's a huge fan of Mark Twain and is kind of like considered his successor as like the American satirist, said that humor was reserved for the most serious and moral dilemmas and that way, humor was like a way to broach those subjects and to highlight how serious they were. For, um, for an example of absurdism that is less amusing and more purely tragic, you only have to go back two weeks in the podcast and... Reread Hemingway's short story, The Old Man at the Bridge, where there's some b- absurdism with the old man's motivations and they're talking about animals and shit while they're about to get bombed by fascists. And, or, yeah, they're attacked by fascists. Not necessarily bombed. Maybe bombed. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they're about to get fucked up by some fascists and they're talking about animals. Uh, but it, the way it's delivered, it's just plain sad. It's not fun f- at all for uh, anyone. Okay, part of sincere absurdism kind of comes along with it, and Twain mentions this, is the fact that the narrator, the person doing it, is fallible. He calls it like the character that the comic is portraying to deliver the story. Um, Anyway, I think that's super interesting. It's interesting in Twain's scenario because the storyteller, like again, is a character portrayed by the artist, becomes the butt of the joke. Um, But that person becomes the butt of the joke. And I think there's some interesting philosophy there about how the audience is like lured into the story by the character, but it can also simultaneously recognize the work of the artist. There's the kind of sad clown story where you, uh, you as the artist, affect a comedic personality that is different from yourself and begin to suffer the disconnect. Uh, Oh, and uh, this is interesting now, because uh, Mark Twain is a fake name. His real name is Samuel Clemens, and Twain, Mark Twain, was kind of a character. He, like, always wore white suits. That was one of his things. So that's kind of interesting. And I, I don't, I've do not never met him, so and I haven't, like, read biographies or anything, so I don't know how close to Mark Twain Samuel Clemens was, but, you know, there's that. There could be. There's a reason he chose a fake name. Anyway. The use of a foul narrator as vital to humor is also interesting because it serves a lot of other genres or concepts really well. So if like you're writing a mystery, you could throw some humor in there easily, according to Mark Twain, because, you know, you're set up for it. Hmm. There's, ah, there's probably something to the fact that mysteries and humor are written with similar narrative devices. Uh, that's a beer thought for beer. Okay, one thing I noticed the first time around was that Twain throws in little quips and jokes, and I'm not talking about the ones he uses as example, but rather little bits like saying the the war joke had been around for 12 or 1500 years, or that emphasizing the punchline is, uh, quote him here, very depressing and makes one want to renounce joking and lead a better life. These are kind of funny incongruities, you know, because they're so extreme. Um, They're funny in their own right, but also uh, he delivers them. It's kind of meta, because he's delivering them in the form of an essay. So so he's kind of maintaining some seriousness, and it's an essay, so it's like seemingly factual. And the character that he's taken on for this story, if we're kind of applying his own ideas to it, would be someone who is taking a very academic approach to humor. Just kind of interesting. Um, Usually I talk about the end, and, uh, the example he uses is, well, it's a bit, uh, it's edgy. It's kind of racist. That's, I mean, there's no, let's not beat around the bush about it. There's already been pretty well-documented controversies about teaching Huck Finn in schools because of a character named, uh, Jim. And, yeah, I mean, it was a different time. It was 1895 is when this essay came out, um... And I'd like to give Twain credit for being a moralist and a satirist. I do that I feel oh, fuck, man. I, I do that a lot in this. I like I like to give people credit for being better. But damn, dude, Uncle Tom's Cabin came out in 1852. So this is coming up on fifty years after that. Uh, and Uncle Tom's Cabin was like popular at the time. It wasn't like a Moby Dick thing where it became popular when the author was like dead and couldn't reap any benefits. So, yeah, ooh, that last joke, story thing. It was interesting that he included, like, the stage notes for it. I thought that was kind of cool. And the difference in uh, dialect helped differentiate that as well. But, yeah, I'm not going to touch that. Fuck that. Not, yeah, it is, yeah, no, I'm not going to fuck with that. Okay, last thing. Maybe should have gone earlier for organizational sake, but whatever. Mark Twain talks about the pause. The pause before the punchline is huge. Even if it's not humor writing, it's serious stuff. And, uh, hold on. There's going to be a lot of, like, random pauses while I was drinking. That's one of the perks of having uh, other people on the podcast, is you can pause and drink, and they can talk. Anyway, pauses. If you're, oh, wow, never mind. I didn't do that on purpose. Whatever. Okay, uh, if you're building to a point, you want the dramatic pause to get every bit of the excitement and the edge out of your reader. You kind of want to toy with them a little bit. It's, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I was once doing some editing for a friend, and it was a narrative that had lots of like philosophical elements and kind of editorializing, and it was good, but I felt like the ending wasn't what it could be, and uh because we were both raised going to church, I told him I was like, Oh, think about this piece like a sermon and build the momentum up and then take a breath and the phrase or image or whatever I used for like when I was like describing what he should do for the punchline uh, is I was like, know, the punchline should come at a whisper. In the sense like the idea that you can kind of like a sermon <laughs> we had this uh priest grown up and so he would he would always he would, you know, fluctuate and he would Uh, But then he would kind of end quietly in the idea that you don't have to shout what you mean. And, you know, you can just end on a whisper and...